no surprise, for the next few weeks, I will be talking on a theme of being thankful or being grateful. And it does seem if ever there was a thing our world needed today is a bit of an attitude adjustment when it comes to being thankful and grateful. So my subject this morning is simply attitude of gratitude. First Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 16, verses I'm sure many of you are familiar with. You probably have a t-shirt or a coffee mug or a wall plaque with these verses on them. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Long ago, there was a great British poet named Rudyard Kipling, famous writer who blessed many. In fact, one of his more famous works is the story Jungle Book. Even before he died, uncommon at the time, he made a great deal of money for his, his gift and his writings. A newspaper reporter who was cynical about Rudyard Kipling came up to him one day and said, Mr. Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated that the money you make from your writings amounts to over $100 per word. Mr. Kipling raised his eyebrows and said, really, I certainly wasn't aware of that. The reporter, with a cynical look, reached into his pocket and pulled out a $100 bill and gave it to Mr. Kipling and said, here's a $100 bill. Now give me one of your $100 words. Richard Kipling looked at the piece of, of currency for a moment, folded in his pocket, and then said, thanks. <laughs> I, I saw that story. I'm like, I, I got to use that. As often as I've mentioned, the word thanks is a special word. It's even more special when it's gone from being a word to being an attitude. One thing that should be clear from the beginning as we look to understand these verses more deeply is that Paul is not making a suggestion here. These verses are formatted in such a way as they are a command or a directive, something that we must do, not something that's just a good idea. If there is any people on the planet that should be grateful, it's people who live in the United States of America. And if there's any people in our country who should be grateful, it's Christians. For all the controversy we see, for all the, the backlash we get, for the specific truths that we embrace that come from God's word, for all the attacks on the Christian message, we are still able to meet today. We are still able to gather. We're still able to proclaim his name. We are still able to be here. We have a reason to be grateful and thankful. We're still able to worship. Those are reasons to be grateful. Those are reasons to say thanks. Right from the beginning, I want to highlight that Paul is not saying for everything, give thanks. You and I go through situations and seasons that are just simply not good. It is not faith to deny what is right in front of you. It is not strength when someone hurts you to pretend like it didn't happen. We live in a day when many, many, many bad things happen. 
And if I wanted to link it to what's actually going on, I could have used many more many's. It's interesting that in a day when our world wants to declare that there is no right and wrong, that anything goes, and that there's nothing good or bad, they're quick to label that anything the Bible says is bad. But Paul is acknowledging with this statement that we all go through things that will make us challenge this command. Because if everything was wonderful, no one would have to tell you to be grateful or to appreciate life. But we go through stuff. We have those situations. But I want to declare today that in Jesus there is victory. In Jesus there is power. And this power gives you and I not only the ability to overcome, not only the ability to be delivered, but it gives you and I in the midst of any situation the ability to say thanks and to give thanks to Almighty God for all he has done. Again, not for all the situations, but in them. His victory helps us to live the truth that today, this day, will always be followed by tomorrow. One of the deeper principles we can glean from these verses is that no matter what we go through, every cup of affliction, every season of turmoil, there will always be drops of mercy and strength that accompany it. We believe our lives are in his hands, that he guides our steps. Even when we mess up, and yes, I said when, God can take any circumstance. God can take any experience and attach a purpose to it. You know the verse from Romans chapter 8, verse 28? And we know that all things work together for good. For those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Not that all things are good, but that God can take anything. Isn't it your testimony? And haven't you seen, seen God take the dumbest things, the most awful situations, and he has made miracles and power be manifested because God can do that. But most people, when I've heard this verse preached on or taught about, they focus on all things work together for good. They focus on to those who love God. They focus on to those who are the called according to his purpose. My focus today is on the first three words, and we know. Do we? Do we know that? The word literally here means not just do we know, do we remember Because, you know, in those difficult seasons, it can be difficult to remember that God is good. It can be a challenge to remind ourselves that there is more in my situation than just the challenges. It can be difficult to remember that his love and mercy is present in my life when others are treating me so poorly. It can be difficult to remember his presence is real even when I feel so alone. But this truth is something we need to know and something we're going to need to remember. When those difficult seasons occupy day after day after day. This is something for his people to be grateful for. Aren't you glad that God never stops watching over you? He's never left you. He's always there. 
interesting verse in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. This verse comes right before Paul lays in to Rome and the Roman society of that time and the church as well. He calls out their foolishness. He calls out their thinking that although they were fools, they thought they were wise. He calls out that they were exchanging the truth of God for lies. And don't we see that today? He calls out that they were making gods of everything and anything around them. That they were exchanging physical lusts unnaturally. All kinds of evil are mentioned in the verses that follow. But of all the evil and all the sin that's mentioned, this passage begins with Paul saying, nor were they grateful or thankful. This is why we not only need to be thankful, we need to express it. You may not have it in your life. Other people do. There are some people who have people in their lives who are nothing but negative. None of you have any people like that. They can never find a reason to be grateful. We need to be people who can always find a reason to be grateful. We need to show those around us that we are truly a thankful people. No matter what the economy is doing. The price of gas is not going to change the fact that my God is good. How much things cost at the supermarket are not going to change the fact that Jesus is Lord. I am grateful for what the Lord has done in my life and that he has always provided for me. It's a major thing happening in our country this coming week. But the, the truth is, no matter who gets elected, Jesus is still on the throne. It's not going to matter who's in office. So while we will have our preferences, we will vote our consciences, we will go according to the word of God, no matter what this country as a collective body decides, Jesus is still Lord. And we will praise him and be grateful for that. No matter who walks away from me, Jesus will never leave me, nor forsake me. Psalm 68 verse number 19 says, praise be to the Lord to God our Savior who daily bears our burdens. Pastor, you didn't realize the burdens I'm carrying today. I may not, but one thing I do know, you're not carrying them alone. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, then trust me, the burdens that you feel that are heavy, they could be a whole lot heavier. Jesus is carrying them with you today. Every day, every hour, Every moment, our God walks with us. That is a reason to be grateful. That is a reason to be thankful. Psalm 54, verse number 6 and 7. I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me out of all trouble, and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. I want to focus on the beginning of verse 7. For he has delivered me out of all trouble. Has there anybody here ever been in any trouble? If you haven't, I'd be more than happy to step down as pastor and let you stand here and just take things from here. 
But in every situation, in every moment, in every circumstance, when it would have been easy for the outcome to have taken me out, my God brought me through. My God was there, and he is able to deliver me out of any trouble. Why do I know that? Because he has delivered me out of any trouble. Now, I never want to minimize any pain that someone's going through. That doesn't serve anybody. God's people, us, should always be the most loving and caring people on earth because that's what Jesus was, loving and caring. It doesn't always work that way, but it should. But the truth is, unless you are really, really, really young, whatever challenge you're facing now, it's not the first challenge you have faced in life. So every other challenge you have faced in life, you're still here. Not one of those challenges took you out. You're here, and that's something for which to give God praise and to be reminded that when any challenge comes your way in the future, your God will be there. That's why we remember that we serve a God who has always been there throughout our lives. He has rescued us time and time again. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The word I want to highlight there is continually. Kind of means like always. Not just sometimes. Not just most of the time. Not just in good times. But in all times. Now, again, you know me by now. I'm always going to balance things out. I will never advocate playing games or pretending, especially in front of the world, because from my experience, the world tends to be pretty perceptive, and they're just going to look at the games as lying. If I am hurting, it's okay to say so. But what makes it different for us as believers is that my hurt is never all that there is. There's also Jesus. Whenever I'm going through something, it's real, but there's Jesus as well. Our pain is never all that there is. Our feelings of isolation are never all that there is. I'm going through a difficult time, yes, but I also know that whatever steps I take in a difficult season, I have a friend, and his name is Jesus, and he will see me through. And let's be honest. If we had been writing, and if, if we had been standing next to Paul as he was writing this church, uh, this letter to the churches at Thessalonica, we might have encouraged Paul to say, you know what? How about you write it in most things, give thanks? Or in some things, give thanks? Or in good things, give thanks? But no, Paul has the nerve to say, in everything, give thanks. And that's tough. Who does Paul think he is? Well, the reality is, since you're all good students of the Bible, Paul knows what he's talking about. Acts chapter 16 is an amazing story. Halfway through, they're in the church, they're in the city of Philippi. And Paul and Silas are preaching, and Paul is, encounters a demon-possessed girl who was used... Um, 
She was a slave girl, and she was used by her owners because she had a spirit that was able to tell the future or tell fortunes. And because of that, her owners made a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money. It was, it says, she was their livelihood. So this girl is, cont- is constantly coming up to Paul, and Paul has enough with her demon possession and casts the evil spirit out of her. And now this young girl is set free, and her owners are furious. All of a sudden, their meal ticket is gone. And so what they do is they drag Paul and Silas before the local authorities. And rather than getting a fair trial, and rather than getting a fair hearing, and rather than focusing on the fact that this slave girl is now free and coherent and can enjoy life, Paul and Silas are whipped, they're beaten, they're put in chains, and thrown in prison. Does that sound like something for you and I to be thankful for? If someone whips you and beats you and throws you in prison and chains you to a wall, do the words, thank you, Jesus, come to mind? But Acts chapter 16, verse 25 says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Nowhere in this passage does it say that Paul and Silas prayed for deliverance. It just says they were singing praises to God. They were giving Jesus praise so they could be, it it, it doesn't say that that they wanted deliverance, although I'm sure they did. They were giving Jesus praise because Jesus is worthy of praise. In any situation you go through, Jesus is worthy of praise. No matter how many people turn away from you, Jesus is worthy of praise. No matter how much the people close to you that you care about, that you've poured your life into, just mess up and go the other way, Jesus is still worthy of praise. Honestly, you would have thought these two men, having been whipped, beaten, and tortured, would be sitting in that cell chained, kind of quiet. They had to be in pain. No one had given them Tylenol or Advil. They had to be feeling it emotionally, too. But they were offering God praise. And what was the end result of offering God praise? God displayed his power. I was going to say, God showed up. But the reality is, God never left. He was always there with them. An earthquake shook the prison. All the doors of the prison opened, and the chains of not only them, but every prisoner fell off. What a wonderful sight. Except it wasn't wonderful to one person, the jailer. And it wasn't wonderful to him because the penalty for a prisoner escaping on your watch was death. And he's like, they're all gone. He sees the doors open, so they must be gone. And he takes out his sword, and he's going to fall on it and kill himself. In Acts chapter 16, verse 28, But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. For we are all here? Why are we still all here? And it makes me wonder. It brought me back to the passage in Daniel chapter 3 when the three Hebrew boys are thrown into a fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar throws them in bound and tied hands and feet and then he looks in and says but I see four people walking around there and they're loose so which means the three boys were no longer bound and tied 
And for many years when I was younger, I always wondered, if they're no longer bound and tied, why didn't they run out? Well, Nebuchadnezzar saw a fourth person in the fire, and, it was, and, and he looked like the Son of God. The truth is, I would rather be with Jesus in the fire than out of the fire with anybody else. Could it be that when you, you and I are in a difficult place, that deliverance is not the best thing for us? These men had been tortured and locked up, but they praise God. He shakes the prison, and they are loosed from their chains, and they go nowhere. There was still more work for God to do, more work for him to do. What was that work? The very next verse, Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 29. Then he called for a light, the jailer, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and said, and brought to them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? God had a plan. I often have to wonder, and I'm not denying the pain that people go through, nor the need to be delivered from it. But oftentimes, it can be a better answer to prayer. Not that I'm delivered from it, but I'm given the strength to go through it and be an example to others who need to have that strength in their life as well. Beloved, if there was ever a time where God's people needed to be more focused on what he wants than on what we want, it's now. We live in a selfish society. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I can get. It's all about all I want is joy and keep everything else away from me. No one's gaining strength anymore to be able to deal with things. And not just focused on what he wants, but focused on the way he wants it. Haven't you enjoyed the beautiful weather the last couple of days? Yes. Not typical November weather, is it? Well, I've looked at the weather report. November will be here probably next weekend. And that's going to make all of us give God praise, right? Please shake your head, yes. Because God is worthy of praise no matter what the temperature is outside. God is worthy of praise no matter how cold it gets. God is worthy of praise because of who he is. We need to be a people that regardless of our situation, regardless of our circumstances, we'll be honest, I would prefer nicer weather. I'll be transparent now. I've never woken up on a work day that I had to go into Manhattan, and it was raining and dreary. And to this point in my life, I've never said, thank you, Jesus. I have to give it a try. But it's never been what first comes to my mind. but I want to continue to give him praise. Could it be that when Paul wrote these verses to these, these Christians in Thessalonica, that he was remembering that incident back in Philippi when he was beaten and yet he gave God praise and then God moved on his life. A night that was initiated by songs of praise and thanksgiving. Church, being a thankful people is not what we do. It's who we are. We are thankful. Expressing that thankfulness 
is what we do. The story is told of a grandmother who was trying to teach her grandson to say thank you. They went, this went on for months as she was trying to instruct him. Then one day she was serving him a piece of pie, and when she did, on his own, without being prompted, he said, thank you, Grandma. The grandmother was thrilled, and she replied, oh, how I like it when you say thank you. The little boy said, put some ice cream on it, I'll say thank you again. <laughs> Cute story. But we never want to use being thankful as a way to manipulate God. We ne it doesn't work. And two, we need to understand that it's a reaction to what he's done, not a ploy to get him to do something. We all have enough reasons for what God has been in our lives to spend the rest of our days being thankful. I have so many reasons to be thankful for what he's already done for me. Isn't that your testimony? God is good to me. But the world we live in has gone nuts. But God is good. But our country is a mess. But God is good. Do you understand some of the things they're calling right and good today? But God is still on the throne. I have a reason to be thankful. And if you're still searching... For reasons to be thankful. First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse number 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim his praises, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Church, you are a chosen people. You are royalty. You are a holy nation. And you are special to him. And he has brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's a reason to be thankful today. And what's one of the reactions for all of this? It says it right there. That you may proclaim the praise of him who called you. My life would be a mess without Jesus. I would have no victory in my life without Jesus. So rather than calling thanks a $100 word, it's more like a billion-dollar word, especially when I turn it toward the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Words matter. I think all of us can attest to that. That's why the Word of God is so significant. And we are called to be thankful. Now, I know on Sunday in a loving church where we can praise God freely, it just seems to naturally flow to be thankful. But then for some reason, when God structured all the days, he put Monday right after Sunday. And then Monday comes, and you face your coworkers who weren't in church on Sunday, who weren't part of a loving congregation, who didn't have a wonderful time giving God praise in the house of God. They come in on Monday as grumpy as could be, wondering why am I here on earth, wondering what's going on in my life, why none of the problems have gone away. And we have this opportunity, this privilege to be a witness to them and turn to them and say, God is good. 
God is awesome, and he can be that in their life as well. I want to say thanks today. I'm thankful for this church. I was listening to Pastor Karen's message from last week, a wonderful message. And she said something that at, in her introductory comments that I want to echo. Uh, she said she knows how much uh, I love this church, and I do. I am grateful for this church. So, so very, very grateful. We are a family. That's right, we are. I'm thankful for that because I've been in fellowships that weren't. I've been in fellowships that were more business than family. And some can say that's because of size. I don't think size has to play a role in that, but we can discuss that some other time. But we are a family. So I'm going to say thank you. Thank you. Thank God for what he's done in our lives. If we really stop to think what a mess we could be in right now. But we're here giving God praise. And one of the main things we give God praise for is what we're about to celebrate in Holy Communion. I'm going to ask the musicians to come back. I'm going to ask you all to stand as we sing the wondrous cross.